Welcome to the Radiant Podcast. We are so glad you joined us today. This podcast features messages, interviews, and discussions from Radiant Church located in Seneca, South Carolina. For more information about Radiant, visit RadiantChurchSC.com. Here's today's episode. We're going to donate $5 to one of the nonprofits that we have listed on our site. Now, we're in our second week of a month-long study into a New Testament letter written by a man named James. Now, James has all kinds of important wisdom for us to grasp. He's actually, by the way, writing this letter to teach Christians how to live their faith out effectively. I want you to think of James as a blueprint for making faith work. In James chapter 1, we spent time learning how to handle troubles and temptations, okay? Which, by the way, that's one of the main themes in the letter. Troubles are situations which happen to us, but temptations are those situations which occur within us. We don't have a choice when we face troubles. However, we always have a choice when dealing with temptations. Troubles are used by God to grow us, but temptations are used by the enemy to destroy us. Now, here's the good news, okay? Our temptations reveal where we need God the most. So, in fact, the enemy, he shows his hand when we face temptation because we now know where to ask God for help, and we know where we need to grow the most. Now, as we get into James chapter 2, we're going to see the second major thing come to light in this letter. That's favoritism or prejudice. How many of you have found yourselves on the wrong side of favoritism or prejudice before? I think we often, you know, view prejudice in terms of demographics. So things like, you know, race and gender and that kind of thing. But of course, you can harbor prejudice against folks for any number of reasons. And that's one of the most frustrating feelings in the world, isn't it? Like, I hate it when someone is favored over me using metrics which are not important and don't matter. I can't be the only one either because I'm sure you do too. So we've all seen it happen, right? You know, the guy with the one or two connections that's the right connection, he gets the promotion. Or the person who has wealth is given access they didn't earn on their own merit. Or somebody's given an opportunity or advantage simply because their light's more. It's a really frustrating experience. I remember my cross-country coach years ago, he gave us a really good lesson on favoritism. In fact, he said the reason cross-country is such a great sport is because you can't play favorites, right? You can't blame the coach for putting in one player over you. You can't argue with the official about their call. It's just you and the clock. And honestly, that really shaped my experience ever since. In fact, I've got a healthy mindset, I think, where I just choose not to be a victim, but to carve my own path. I think all of us should have that mindset too, right? But that still doesn't mean, you know, that people won't show prejudice towards you. In fact, in church, for a long time, we've seen prejudice run rampant in so many different ways. We've seen it from, you know, race and gender, yeah. But we've also seen it to, you know, prejudice towards the amount of money someone might have or influence somebody might have or family they come from. You know, it's always been an issue. And just let's be honest too for a moment, right? Because like we're all human. We live in a fallen world. We're tainted with sin. It's not something we shouldn't expect, but it's not something which should be the norm either. 
And that's what James wants to get across to his readers. They need to reject all kinds of prejudice. Don't allow it to be normalized in your life or in the church. Listen to what he says in James chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. Big chunk we're going to read here, okay? He says, My dear brothers and sisters, how can you claim to have faith in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ if you favor some people over others? For example, suppose someone comes in your meeting dressed in fancy clothes and expensive jewelry, and another comes in who's poor and dressed in dirty clothes. If you give special attention and a good seat to the rich person, but you say to the poor guy, hey, you stand over here, <laughs> right? Or sit on the floor. Well, doesn't this discrimination show that your judgments are guided by evil motives? Listen to me, brothers and sisters, he says. Hasn't God chosen the poor in this world to be rich in faith? Aren't they the ones who inherit the kingdom that he promised to those who love him? And But you dishonor the poor. So isn't it the rich who oppress you and drag you into court? Aren't they the ones who slander Jesus Christ, whose noble name you bear? Yes, indeed, it is good when you obey the royal law. That's our golden rule that we know, right? Found in scripture saying, love your neighbor as yourself. But if you favor some people over others, you're committing a sin. You're guilty of breaking the law. For the person who keeps all the laws except one is as guilty as a person who's broken all of God's laws. For the same God who said you must not commit adultery also said you must not murder. So if you murder someone but don't commit adultery, you've still broken the law. There's a lot there, <laughs> okay? So James makes it really clear right off the bat in verse number one, you cannot hold faith in Christ if you're harboring prejudice towards other people. So when we're showing prejudice, we're inevitably showing what? judgment, right? And that's what prejudice leads to. It leads to passing judgment on somebody else. And when you hold judgment and prejudice against somebody, you're also going to create a lot of pain, not just for the other person, but also for your life as well. So judgment occurs when you're assuming you know why someone did what they did and why they said what they said. You saw, you know, you saw something happen, you heard something said, an observation was made, but you don't know why it was said or done. So what happens is you make assumptions to figure out why what happened actually happened. Assumptions are not facts, which means when we judge, we're going beyond the facts and we're creating assumptions, which in turn inflicts pain on other people and remember ourselves as well. Matthew chapter seven, Jesus speaks about this when he says in Matthew seven, verse number one, do not judge others and you will not be judged for you were, you know, for you will be treated as you treat other people. The standard you use in judging is the standard in which you'll be judged. So why worry about a speck in your friend's eye when you got a big old log sticking out of yours? Like, how can you think of saying to your friend, hey, let me help you get rid of a little speck right there, right? When you can't see past the big two by four, right? Hypocrite, he says, first get rid of the log in your own eye and then you'll see well enough to deal with the speck in your friend's eye. It's just so natural to see what's wrong with somebody else, right? And Jesus' point is that you cannot worry about setting somebody else straight when that big old two by four, that big old log is sticking out of your own eye, right? Self-awareness, by the way, is not natural, but we can't judge people without first looking at ourselves. We can't just make assumptions about folks and run with them. That's prejudice. And it's really easy to do that, far easier than we realize. So for example, man, I love sex. I think sex is amazing. It's the greatest experience in my life. Kudos to God for the special gift. Everybody should experience sex. 
So what's happening right now? Well, you're making a lot of assumptions and you're thinking, wow, how inappropriate for this pastor to talk so openly about sex, you know? And some of you guys, you want to know why I didn't explain that sex should be enjoyed only in the marital relationship. And a few of you rascals are interested in your texting your buddies saying, dude, this pastor's talking about sex. You're passing what? You're passing judgment. Yeah, you're making judgments based on assumptions. You see how easy that is? See how easy it is to do that? And for the record, okay, sex is great, but only in God's design, which was for marriage. So I'm reassuring you guys who wondered and made some assumptions right there, okay? But it's easy to do this. And by the way, we do it with God too. We make assumptions about what God has allowed or didn't allow or what God did do or didn't do. And sometimes we even presume to know why God did what he did. Can I just tell you that the only presumption we need to make with God is that he does what he does out of a deep love for you. First John tells us this, that God is love, meaning he's the embodiment of love. It doesn't mean that love is God. It means that God is the very definition of what true, unrelenting, authentic love is. And God wants good things for you. He wants what's best for you. So we live in a world tainted by sin and consequences and evil does exist, but God is not bringing evil on you. That's not in his nature. So if God wants good things for you, and if God deeply loves you and doesn't show prejudice, how do we follow his lead? How do we you know, do what James reminds his readers to do and embrace the royal law or what we call the golden rule and love people as we love ourselves? Well, let me give you four quick ways you can reject prejudice in your life today that'll help you uh, with your dealing with other people and within your church community, okay? First way to fight prejudice is to value people. Philippians 2.3 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress other people. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. Don't look out for your own interests but taking interest in others too, you must have the same attitude that Christ Jesus had. See, judgment is the opposite of humility. When we judge God, we elevate ourselves and we view other people as being inferior and that feeds a mentality that seeks to exploit people for personal gain. It's kind of like this what's in it for me perspective. And you know, this is how we get to a place where we just value people for what they can do for us or what they can give us. It's a really inhumane way to look at somebody else. So I was in a store last week and I, and I heard this you know, high pitch screaming coming from another aisle. And like immediately my, my dad radar went up. Like, you know what that is, right, parents? Like, you have a little kid, who, maybe between the ages of two and four, and they're having a meltdown. You know what that sound is like, right? And before I became a parent, I would have looked at that scene, and I would have said, lady, control your kid, right? I mean, she, clearly, she's not a good parent. She just babies her kids. She's soft on discipline. She probably doesn't care about other people because she's not doing anything about it. What kind of mom is this? I would have thought those things because a lot of people do. But now I'm just kind of like, you know, <laughs> All right. You know, I'm like, I'm like Katniss and Hunger Games, bro. I get it. I've been there. I know the pain. I got the bumper sticker and the tattoo, man. I get it. Why, why, why the change? Well, for starters, I have a shared experience with every parent has as well in that situation. But I also like to think as I've gotten older and more, you know, deeper in my walk that I've realized I may not know every person's story, but God does. Maybe she's a single mom. Maybe she doesn't have a, a father figure. Maybe she's working multiple jobs. Jobs and she's 
worn out when she comes home to the never-ending job of being a mom. Maybe every day is a fight just to get out of bed and keep going for her. I don't know her story, but God knows her story, and God loves and values her. See, if we knew her story, we'd probably help her, right? Some of you might even pay for her groceries and then give her like one of the Acts of Kindness cards, if you're local here, uh, that tells her that God loves her and so does Radiant, you know? When you value somebody and we see them how God sees them, you know, hey, everything can change. So case in point, I, you know, you, you ever seen a, a, a $20 bill before, you know, or a $100 bill before, right? You know, it doesn't matter to you if that $100 bill was all messed up. It doesn't matter if it's crumpled up. You know why? Because regardless, it has value. First Samuel 16, 7, while we naturally look on the outward appearances, what does God do? He looks at the heart. So that money could be all kinds of messed up, but it's still money, right? See, your condition has nothing to do with your value and neither does your wealth, your talents, your gifts, your race, your gender, or even your sin. See, you're as valuable to God today as you were when He first formed you in your mom's womb. Valuing people has nothing to do with their worth to you, has everything to do with their worth to God. So once you value folks, you know what you can do next? Accept people. Romans 15:7 tells us this, accept each other as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. Acceptance is very simple. I accept you the way you are, because Christ accepts you as you are. You don't have to change a thing for this to be true. Jesus valued and accepted and forgave every person he came in contact with, but, and this is really important, he also confronted sin. He didn't do it with like, you know, you're dusting for hell kind of fire and brimstone thing, but he had the ability to make people who were far from God feel comfortable when he accepted them, and then he would confront their sin. You can't confuse acceptance with approval. Christians will sometimes think if we accept somebody, it means, well, we have to approve of their sin. That's not what Jesus did. He accepted people and he confronted sin at the same time, and that's exactly the kind of church that Radiant Church is. We're a church which will accept you as you are, no matter who you are and what you've done or how you identify or whatever it is. You're welcome here. We accept people, but then we work through all the stuff once a relationship's been established, you know? You know what that's called? It's called discipleship. Here's the third way to combat prejudice, okay? Third way, forgive people. If we don't forgive people, well, we'll stay locked in a box of judgmentalism forever and we'll never truly live a free life. And that's because you fail to forgive, you imprison yourself. See, forgiveness is the way to release hurt and pain and live free. Remember, man, when we're in a prejudicial, judgmental environment, we're inflicting harm on ourselves. Let me show you an example right from Jesus' own words here in Matthew chapter 6. Matthew 6, he says, hey, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you too. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Man, that's how serious God takes this stuff. Now, one of the reasons we're hesitant to forgive is because we think that if we forgive someone, you know, we're somehow giving our trust back to them, right? Forgiveness doesn't mean you necessarily trust somebody again or approve what they did. It means you can walk up to them, I still love them as Christ loves you. It releases the weight of judgment on your life. Did you know that? See, we carry a heavy burden when we judge somebody and withhold forgiveness. That's not ours to carry, by the way. God said, vengeance is mine. I'll repay. So don't carry that stuff around. Give it over to God. But, you know, the heart of God is to love people, right? To value and to accept people. It's also to forgive people. So you don't have to feel like forgiving someone to do it. Forgiveness is not based on your feelings, man. It's based on the heart heart of God. And finally, here's the fourth way we can fight prejudice. Get close to people. Get close to people. 
It's the hardest one of the bunch to do. And why is that? Because getting close to people means you allow yourself to be vulnerable. See, as you get close to people and relationships begin to form, those walls which have been built up, they begin to kind of lower down. And you share weaknesses and vulnerabilities and you open yourself up to a great risk of betrayal and hurt. And unfortunately, the truth is, you will get hurt. You don't get betrayed and people will inflict harm on you. But we need each other. You can't love without others getting close, right? You know, we can't reject prejudice from a distance. We, we can't do it by isolating ourselves. You think you don't need people that you're fine on your own? Hey, listen, man, isolation is a breeding ground for judgment and prejudice. Some of those critical negative folks I've come across, they have very few friends. And they put up so many walls, man, and they hide behind hurt and pain and isolation, which imprisons them. See, you and I, we need relationships because relationships are the antidote to judgment. You pick me up when I need it, man, and I pick you up when you need it. And this kind of reciprocal action is really captured in Luke chapter 6 when Jesus says, hey, don't judge others and you, you won't be judged either, right? Don't condemn others or it'll all come back against you. Forgive others, you'll be forgiven. Give and you'll receive and your gift will return to you in full. Press down, shaking together, running over to make room for more. Running over and poured out into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. See, most of the time that passage is taught, it's focused on giving. And it is about giving, but it's about giving in a, in a broad sense. It's about whatever you give, you'll receive more of. Whether it's finances or love or forgiveness or whatever it might be. Because the premise is people respond to how you treat them. So if you treat them with love, you'll get love back. And if you treat them with cynicism, well, man, you got judgment coming back your way too. But the closer you get to people, and the more you know their story, and the more you value and accept and forgive them, man, the more you love like Jesus. See, we can reject prejudice much easier when we're drawn close to someone and have really gotten to know who they truly are. It's easy to get bogged down in prejudice, but it's also easy to get out of it. Pay attention to your own life first. And Jesus reminds us to do that, right? Before you judge somebody else, think about how you know, you're doing. Is there anything in your life you've got to clear up? before you talk to someone about what they're doing. Can you value people because God values them? Can you accept them for who they are in the as-is kind of condition? Are you able to forgive others who have really hurt you? And can you get close to people and learn their stories and know who they really are? See, if we're all honest, we would admit we probably struggle in one or more of these areas. I mean, I, I know I do. The journey to loving people as Christ loves them, though, man, the keeping and living out what we would know as the golden rule that James talks about, it's not impossible unless you can't forgive, unless you can't accept people, unless you can't value them, unless you don't draw close or harbor. You know, you can't do those things. We have to reject prejudice like Christ did, and it starts with pointing out not what other people are doing, but pointing out the condition of my own heart and my own life first. And then I value, and then I accept, and then I forgive, and then I draw close to people. And if I can do those things, then I can reject prejudice and favoritism and truly love as Jesus loves. Here's what I want to do today as we wrap everything up. Perhaps you're watching or listening. You're like, yeah, hey, Pastor, I, I hear what you're saying here today. I, listen, something about this message, God just speaking to my heart. He's tugging on my heartstrings. I've been lacking in this area. What, what do I do? We just talked about the four steps. 
what we first got to start with, though, before we can value and accept and love and for, you know, draw close, what we have to do before we do all that, we got to take care of us first. And that means you got to get right with God. So we're going to pray that God forgives us for harboring prejudice, for harboring favoritism, for passing judgment. And then we're going to ask God to help us love people, right, as Christ loves them. So we're going to ask God to help us to value people. We're going to ask God to help us accept people. We're going to ask God to help us forgive. And we're going to ask God to help us draw close to people as well. And if we can do those things, then we can reject prejudice. We can walk in this in this great new life and I think mindset where we see people as God sees them and we love people effectively as God loves them as well. So Father, I thank you, man, for all that you've done. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or would like to reach out to us, you can do so by emailing us at media at radiantchurchsc.com or visit one of our social accounts on Facebook, Instagram, If you like what you heard today, subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss any future episodes and give us a five-star rating on the podcast platform that you listen to. We hope you have an amazing rest of your day.